Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. And welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Brandon here. Joining me is always Dan and Nick. Gentlemen, here we go. Add another one to the win column, Dan. If you're in your prison cell... Just chalking them up one at a time. That's what we're doing. Keeping tallies. Hmm. I wonder what I went to jail for in that scenario. <laughs> I felt like it would be most open-ended with you. Sorry, Nick. But uh, I think we should go ahead and ask for suggestions of why Dan went to jail right out the gate. Social <laughs> yep. media, hit us up. Let us know. What do you do? Keep it clean. All right? He's a good guy. Keep it, keep it clean. Keep you know, it clean. He, yeah, it's definitely going to be some white-collar crime. That's for sure. He's That's that's what jail's for, you know? Keeping it clean. <laughs> Anyways, boys, we've got uh, another match reviews. I don't know. You could call it the uh, the Gary Cahill Derby, the South London uh, visitors coming up to West London for this one. You, you know, Nick Palace in town, Roy Hodgson. I don't know. It's just everything's all close to home. We've been to Palace. That was an interesting away day. Now we got to see them come to come to Stamford Bridge. Uh, indeed, um, and and to. Be fair to Palace. I think they've kind of overachieved so far this year. Um, they certainly gave Leicester kind of a tough game last week and, uh, you know, gave us a tough first half this week. So um, it was it was good. It was good to see Gary Cahill get applauded by the fans and have his, his name sung throughout the stadium. I uh, thought that was really class uh, from, from the Chelsea fans. And I kind of said as much after the game. So really good for uh, for Cahill. I, I'm I'm a little shocked you're saying that a potential European place is overachieving for Palace, but we'll we'll let that uh, decide itself later. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It wasn't was it Gary who's like yeah nothing like European days at <laughs> at Palace. Oh my God! Could you imagine? Uh, all right. Well, Nick, go ahead and tee us up with the overall theme for today's show. Uh, and then I'll talk to you guys about what we're going to dive into. The overall theme for today's show is crystal clear. You guys see what I did there? Because we're clear in fourth, but it, we also played Crystal Palace. So this is going well. I like it. You uh, <laughs> Functional and wordplay. This is, that, that is a deep, deep. Functional. This is so bad. It's called wordplay, Dan. Ever heard of it? I, hmm? uh, it's also called third place. Ever heard of it? Are are we? <laughs> if this yeah. result holds up as th- th- it stands, thanks to Man City just capitulating. Oh, yeah, oh, that's, that's right. The the game that hasn't finished yet. So yeah. good stuff. Well, 
as we, at time of recording, it's three nothing Liverpool. So you might hear. We'll keep you updated through the podcast. We'll see if we'll see who's right at the end of this all. Exactly. Anyways, getting into the substance of today's show, we're gonna go ahead and talk about why Chelsea experienced a bit of a flat first half against Palace and how Team Abraham finally broke through after a frustrating day out. And then we'll talk about the continued heroics of Christian Pulisic, Captain America. And then lastly, we have more. Talk about Reese James being a wonder kid. Maybe a tweet I sent. You know, it's just some different things. You know, we'll go ahead and wrap it up. But, uh, Dan, uh, you're going to have to get ready. We have a bunch of five-star reviews from Apple Podcasts that deserve a little shout-out. Yeah, just remember, before we get into it, if you leave a five-star review in Apple Podcasts, we give you a shout-out at the every, beginning of every episode, which is good for you. You get a little pat on the back. Like, that dude Chewy gave us a little five-star love. We had Kamalonsky give us some. Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Gaylor from the ATL hooking it up. Nikhil Luke, one of our patrons, also throwing a little five-star love on there. We had uh, uh, Chachuga, who is also a Chelsea fan from Nicaragua, which is great. I think that might be our first review from Nicaragua. Yeah, I love but, that. But uh, I said he and his son watched the matches together, but he he only listens to the podcast with, with by himself. Uh, Smart. I think the explicit rating is probably the reason why. Uh, and then uh, Tony Van Mars saying Michigan is also blue, which uh, I guess makes sense. Unless you're unless you're a Michigan State fan, Nick, probably then it's uh, you think it's green and blue. Uh, yes, yeah, that is that is valid. Um, yeah, we appreciate the five star love. It helps us. Uh, you know, if you if you rate and review, it helps us in the Apple Podcast rankings. So um, we have a, a pretty, a pretty nice collection of these reviews, but we always want more. All right. Well, uh, a fun little thing to kick this one off is, or as we continue down is we have two new Patreons. So thank you, Joe and Jared. Welcome to the team. Uh, really appreciate your support. Uh, and then Nick, right after your promo codes, I want to make sure that people are listening to them. Uh, especially some of our people who maybe have been skipping this part. Um, yeah. I want to make sure we call this out. Mm, yeah. It's almost as if. This is where the business is done. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So you guys know that we uh, we kind of finished up our Christian Pulisic uh, short giveaway last week for World Soccer Shop. Um, that is so. JL Hines won that. Very happy for him. Uh, he left a really great voice message and just killed it. So awesome for him. You know that London Pod on World Soccer Shop gets a ten percent off. Uh, so customization, shipping, whatever you want to do. Um, also, we are currently promoting Talisman Caps because they're doing uh, a giveaway of $1,000 in gift cards. So there's going to be 10 winners of $100 uh, each now through November 22nd. We're putting this on social as well so you can go sign up, but it's just basically on their website. Uh, these guys have been great to us, and, and we hope that uh, we hope that you have some good fortune in the, uh, in the giveaway sweepstakes. So you also know that London, uh, London Blue 10 will, uh, will get you... Uh, 10% off of $35 or more. So that's that. Boom. All right. Well, as we roll into this, we have a huge supporter in front of the show, uh, 38Blues on Twitter, who is at Stanford Bridge this one, left us a message. So let's go ahead and use this to tee us up. Roll it, Jake. All right. What's up, guys? It's Corey, and I'm in London right now enjoying the aftermath of our first ever trip to Stanford Bridge. You guys are definitely inspired uh, getting off our butts and making it happen we did it and it was the crystal palace match and oh my god man everything you guys recommended we went ahead and tried to do as much as possible we hit the cock tavern uh we went by the pensioner couldn't get in uh and the tickets from uh chelsea in america were amazing we were in the matthew harding stand and i'll tell you what that's the place to be if you're gonna go see your first match do everything you can to get in there all of the people that we sat around were just so nice and totally kind of in tune with everything that was going on. So as you're watching the match and you see Christian Pulisic doing his footwork and looking fantastic and they're digging it, man, you know something special is happening. All right, here we go. Match review time. Falling up Corey's great, great message. It was Crystal Palace, and it was in the Premier League, and it was at Stamford Bridge. And in case you missed it, Chelsea 2, Crystal Palace 0. Uh, all right, so uh, right away, Coral again tweeting, Frank Lampard is the first English manager to win six consecutive Premier League games since Alan Pardew did it in 2012. The ghost that haunts us is <laughs> Alan Pardew. I'm glad he's uh, 
doing commentary at the time. Uh, and at the time, Chelsea had actually moved up to second in the table. But I think we all knew that that wasn't going to stay since Leicester, Liverpool, and City all had yet to play at that point. Uh, all right, so we're going to go ahead and roll the goals again. Uh, it took us a little bit, but 52nd minute, Tammy Abraham. Let's listen to it. That was better. It's Tammy Abraham. Well, it's taken some time in coming, but Chelsea have the breakthrough. Passes of an incisive nature, a crisp, cool finish, and Chelsea lead Palace by Golden Earl. All right, and the next one up is Christian Pulisic, Captain America in the 79th minute. Listen to how this one went. Pulisic. Batshuayi. 2-0. Pulisic on the score sheet again. His first at Stamford Bridge in Chelsea colours. The lead is double. The points surely safe. All right, and that's it for the goals. So, Dan, lineups, how do we get to those goals? Well, no surprise, Kepa between the sticks. The biggest surprise comes in Reese James getting his first Premier League start. It was the first time in 73 matches that Cesar Azpilicueta did not start for Chelsea in a left or right back or center back capacity since December 2nd, 2017. It's actually the longest streak in the Premier League. So he loses that right. But Kurt Zuma, Tomori, and Emerson filled out our back four. We had N'Golo Conte return. Nick cried tears of joy. Mateo Kovacic also in the lineup. Jorginho out from his uh, forced you know, forced rotation. And then William Mount Pulisic behind the number nine, Tammy Abraham. We did see Andreas Christensen, Willie Caballero, Olivier Giroud, and Cesar Espliqueta as our unused substitutes with Calum Hudson-Doy, Mishi Batshuayi, and yes, young Billy Gilmore getting minutes in this match. Can you believe it? If, you know, we go ahead and have like a youngest lineup last week. Frank's like, I got one. Hey guys, I got another card in my pocket. We can play this one. Uh, the seems. best tweet I saw was that the the veteran Mason Mount is being replaced by the young Billy Gilmore. <laughs> I think that was DPZ from We Ain't Got No History. It I was believe gra- so. It was great. All right, well, so it, go ahead. It Nick. was really, yeah, really great. It was a shock that Mason Mount played in this game. <laughs> Can we talk about that? Like he legitimately got hurt. Like was limped off midweek uh, against Ajax. Like this was wild that he has recovered now twice from these like rolled ankle situations where he's been carried off the field and then, and then Willis reads it, you know, coming back then the next match. So Iron Man. Oh, I mean, that's a big one. I feel, I feel like he's the type of player who just rubs dirt on it. And then he's like, okay, I'm fine. I can go back in and do this now. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, Great. He, he just, uh, no days off. That, that is his motto without a doubt. So some of the overall stats, uh, we had 23 shots total. Palace had three. Uh, we had five shots on target. <laughs> Palace had one. We had 61% possession, ton of passes, 87% pass accuracy. Uh, Palace was 17 fouls, getting stuck in a little bit. Yeah, here we are with three yellow cards to there, too. Anyways, they didn't have a single corner in the entire match. It always surprised me that just at no point ever did the ball ricochet off a defender and go out of bounds. Clearly, they were not pressing in the final third at all. Um, so the, the expected goals map for Chelsea, uh, we had a expected goal of 2.7 to their 0.4. So just, just underachieved on it. But at the end of the day, I think the three points are all that matter. And that's what we got. So right away, uh, bit of an early morning for you, Dan, huh? Saturday came at you quick. Oh, it did. It did. Especially when you're up late on a Friday playing Mm -hmm. uh, a new video game. So, uh, Death Stranding, really good. Um, should not have started playing it though before a 3.30 a.m. lineup reveal and a 4.30 a.m. kickoff. So uh, a lot of coffee, but, uh, you know, made it through it. Stayed up the whole match, which, uh, you know, sometimes doesn't happen when it's uh, 45 minutes as dull and ineffective as what we saw in this one, Brandon. Oh, last, last year, Nick, I'm out. Sorry, ball. Nah, I'm asleep. There's no way I stay engaged. This season, though, you got my attention. I'm there. <laughs> And I, I'm sure they're so grateful that you have elected Brandon to. I'm just saying there's grace big, us. very huge differences <laughs> in the style of play and just like the the way the games go. Yes, uh, it, 
a lot more direct, a lot more exciting. Um, I, I watched all of it and, you know, was better off and worse off just depending on the week. Um, but yeah, really, really, uh, I, I'm, it's to the point now that I'm so excited for Saturdays to see this team play and continue to grow. It's just really great. I'm pumped. All right. So Naz with the first tweet, touching on Tammy, bit of a, remember talking about first half here, bit of a, a rough 45 minutes for him. So Tammy Abraham said to BT Sport on his role as the primary striker, quote, the number nines who have been at Chelsea have been world-class strikers, and it was a big task for me to take on, but I was ready. I felt ready in myself, and I'm wearing it, and I'm proud to be the number nine, end quote. And then Lampard, following up on Tammy today, said, quote, I spoke to Tammy. Some games as a striker in the Premier League will frustrate you because there's not much space. That's a problem for a striker to solve. He stayed bright and lively. It was a great game for Tammy, even if it was not one for the showreel, end quote. I think that's interesting. I mean, Nick, if you, you know, it was a bit of a lonely day for Tammy up top uh, in the sense that it was him in a sea of huge center backs. They defended with a ton of numbers. It was just never a day where he was going to be able to receive the ball and try to do anything with it. Yeah, it was frustrating. I mean, he has um, he has improved some of his hold-up play significantly from the start of the year. But it's it's tough to hold the ball up when they put three around you or they're hacking you down. Um, he just, you know, he, he had a tough one. Um, I think it frustrated him. It looked like some of his touches were off a little bit uh, in the first half especially. And then, you know, I think it's it, it's indicative of a striker to figure out how to find the space. And, of course, it, you know, we'll get into the goals here in, in a bit. But, um, you know, it's a I think his mentality yesterday, Dan, was really impressive that he didn't he didn't get overly frustrated to the point where he took himself out of the game. No, he showed resolve and is interesting. We really got him into some poor positions uh, there were a couple of times where he was actually like out on the wing or deeper than some of our midfield players for I think, more of an extended period. And I think part of that came down to the fact that it was really, really difficult to work through a Palace side that, yeah, I mean, by name have you know overperformed you know, relative to some of the other teams in the table who you would have expected to be higher up, like a Tottenham, like an Arsenal you know, like a Manchester United, but they are very well drilled defensively and they maintained really strong lines. They made it extremely frustrating. And I can understand why Tammy, in addition to everyone else, struggled to get, get the right pass. And there were a lot of blocks. There were a lot of interceptions. There was a lot of legs and bodies in the way of that final ball that Tammy was looking for, whether it be coming from Kovacic or Mount or Pulisic, that weren't finding him. And I think that lack of service you know, could have been frustrating, could have made it so that Tammy you know, lost his resolve in this game, Brandon. But I you know, credit him for just figuring a way, finding it out, keeping on making those runs, and you know, he eventually got his goal. Well, I think it comes back to Lampard, right? Just kind of setting expectations for him. I'm sure Timmy knows. You know, he's in the championship. I'm sure he's tried to be bullied out many times. But it's just one of those things you have to remind him, say, hey, going in today, you have to have your mindset right. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be fun. Uh, but you're going to have to battle, and you're going to have to, you know, be patient because your opportunity will come. And sure enough, it did. And when it did come, uh, he was able to, you know, be alert, be ready to go. And, and bury it. And it took, you know, like I said, it, it took till the entire second half for him to really get a good look uh, in the game. So, uh, you know, it, it's going to it's gonna happen later this season. So it's great that he's able to deal with it and uh, keep working positively. I was kind of surprised that he came off early-ish in the second half compared to what we've seen, but it ended up not being a bad thing. So we'll get into that a little bit as well. Uh, at Squawka tweeted, first U25 player to score 10 plus goals in Europe's top five leagues in 2019-2020. Green check mark for Chelsea. Second youngest Chelsea player to reach 10 goals. Green check mark for Chelsea. First English Chelsea player to hit double figures since Frank Lampard. Green check mark for Chelsea. Take a bow, Tammy Abraham. And then Opta Joe Nick saying, 22 years, 38 days. Tammy Abraham is the second youngest player to reach double figures for the Premier League goals for Chelsea after Aryan Robin, who is 21 years and 342 days. 
decimal. That is that's very quick, or I'm sorry, that's a very small gap between him and Aaron Robin. But he just continues to do wonders. I, I mean, let's take it at face value. He was Aloni, and then he had a good season in the championship, and now it's like he's still in the championship playing for Chelsea in the Premier League as far as consistency and goals go. It's brilliant. It really is. Yeah, look, and we, we've we all, I think, had different perspectives on Tammy at the beginning versus where he is now. Uh, I I did not see this coming early in the year. I know a lot of people continue to remind me of that on Twitter. Um, and, and it's all good. I, I'm so pumped for him. And happy to be happy to be wrong, um, and not for the first time. Um, I think it, it for for what he is doing at this age, with you know, I think some gap in between him and the rest of the strikers in the in the team is really impressive. And he's not just doing it against bottom tier you know, competition. I mean, he's doing it at a high level now. Um, he's scored in the champions league. He has really contributed in a big way to, to almost every match that, that he's played in. And sometimes Dan, that that's enough. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, I think Olivier Giroud, for example, last year was given a bunch of credit for playing for the team and, and Tammy's a little bit more selfish maybe, but I think he does play for the team as well. Oh, Giroud played for hazard. That was his role. His role was to set up Eden Hazard, and that was it. He was the he was the Scotty Pippen to Hazard's oh, yeah. Jordan. Yeah, a hundred percent. Tammy can be selfless, but he's also selfish enough knowing knowing when to take the shot on. And I think this this game required him to transition. Where I think in the first half he was being a little bit more selfish. He was selfless. He was trying to link up. He was trying to get the back and forth going with William and Mason. And in the second half, you know, we, we did find a way to allow him to make some of those, you know, inside the box runs that, you know, hopefully put him into a position to score and the back heel, you know, no look from William to basically set him up and play him in was fantastic. And that's what you want to see, you know, you just get in the position to be able to take your one-on-one versus the keeper and slot it past him and, I mean, maybe maybe we should be looking back revisionist history style, asking did Tammy Abraham underperform in the championship? Because if he's scoring, you know, eleven goals, two assists across all comps for Chelsea against some of the the best teams in the world, uh, maybe maybe he shipped on more in the championship. You know, maybe he didn't score enough. Well, but I, I think you can also say he probably is just taking on the task that's in front of him, right? I know you're trying to stir the pot a little bit here. But that's oh, no, also I'm just trying to be goofy. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, like you said, that's credit to him, right? He, he, he's probably learning a lot about himself, Dan. Of like, holy shit, I can do it at this level. Because before he, he, you know, he had a, it had a bad run at Swansea, and that's not on him. That that club was a sinking ship all season. It was just, it was a terrible situation for him to be in. You know, he goes to Villa. JT's there. Uh, Dean Smith has been doing a fantastic job with that squad. You know, and and. It was good. It wasn't always easy, but it was it was always, you know, enough challenge that he was growing and stretching. But from May to this August, I mean, he had to take a huge jump. But I always go back to Frank is putting so much faith in him. Frank has benched a World Cup winner and another player who he spent, what, $36 million on with Mishi Batuai. And I know he's not everyone's, you know, favorite flavor of a striker, but the fact that Frank has put so much time and support in with Tammy it's paying off so it's a huge credit to Frank as well to put Tammy in these situations to be successful and when he you know goes on a dry spell of three matches but then starts banging him in again we can laugh about it and I think that that's just it's huge from Frank as well I mean the man management part of it yeah it's it's trust I mean it it's trust in Mason Mount it's trust in Reese James it's trust in Tammy Abraham and it all it does you know, if you show trust in someone and you believe in their ability um, and and those players then in turn repay that trust with um, high level performances, it just breeds, you know, I think complete and utter unity in the team. They trust Frank. Frank trusts them. Mistakes come and go, but the the theory around Frank's football has remained this year. 
Mm-hmm. We got smashed by United at the beginning of the year. You saw the beginnings of what we're starting to play now. And Frank didn't panic immediately. He didn't take Tammy off because he hit the post in the first game. He said, no, get get the hell back out there. Go do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's a huge, it's just a, a huge point of, of pride that I have in, in what Frank is doing is that Dan, he is not a quick, you know, quick to pull somebody for, for a bad day. Um, he is quick to change tactics or personnel, but he's, you know, if, if you make one mistake, you don't fear if you're Tammy Abraham, for example, you don't fear that you're going to not be able to play the rest of the season. Like you're in the doghouse. He's just, I think he wants to make the small change. Well, and I think the difference in, in Tammy versus, you know, like Marcus Alonso midweek, 45 minutes gets, gets the hook where he's just clearly having a really, really bad performance is that, you know, Tammy's in a position where you're, you're not going to score every game. You are not going to assist every game. The, a striker can come and be consistent, but it doesn't mean that every single match he's going to get something. Now, we've been very fortunate that Tammy is at 11 goals to assist all competition so far this season. But, you know, he's going to, we're going to have a run of fixtures. Like, let's say he doesn't score versus United, maybe he doesn't score versus Valencia. And then, you know, but it's about the fact that, like, he has built up a level of dependency that, you know, you know, or reliability rather, where we know that in some stretch of games, he will continue to score. He'll continue to find a way because he is resilient and you have to go through those patches and be comfortable, you know, w- with the bet you've placed. And I, I, I must imagine that Frank having been a player gives him that additional layer, gives him that additional perspective where he thinks about the times where he received that trust where he received that support when maybe he wasn't having a great run of games and how much more beneficial that was to him and his long-term success and resiliency, Brandon, than maybe other managers who don't have that perspective of having been yanked or been pulled out of a match because they were not informed, not supported appropriately. With it's, it's huge. You know, I think all of us that have played team sports know that, uh, the, the coach, the manager is a huge role to play in, in team morale and individuals as well. Another point that I think it's good to talk about in the first half. So I'm glad you pulled this tweet, Dan at MC underscore of underscore a. So Michael here tweeted Chelsea's buildup strategy against a set defense is booming long balls to produce pressing opportunities. I love that the Premier League has a true German pervert of a manager, and it's Frank Lampard, to which at sub C underscore responded says, easiest way to open up a game, just smash every rebound over the top. I'm guilty. Look, they adapt. Frank adapts. He won't just do the same thing over and over and over. And the only reason it's an easy comparison to last season, Dan, is that Maurizio sorry, was the opposite you only played one way and you do it and you do it and you do it until it works. And if it doesn't work, the players are the problem, not the system, right? Where Frank's like, no, 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 we're going to poke and prod and figure out how to break down nine men behind the ball. Well, it's also allowing the ball to be crossed airily. It's allowing it, the ball to actually leave the ground and not just these, you know, key short four or five yard passes. I mean, there was, some of the long balls Zuma placed directly onto Tammy's chest, which were just brilliant. Um, the attempts that you know Kovacic was making, the diagonal runs that William was providing to drag players out of position. You know, we just were we're willing to try and shift the defenses around a little bit more with different types of play, Nick. And I, I think that's what ultimately led us into the second half of being able to create the right openings and right opportunities because we were finding ways to take what was a very, very stringent defense, very well drilled and find the way to move them that we needed to, to get in behind. Yeah. I mean, I think like, and we probably buried the lead on this one, but this is a game that last year you could have seen Chelsea lose. Um, I, I think the way the first half played out and how frustrated everybody was and, you know, I think it's just, it was a really stout performance from Palace. I mean, I think you also have to tip your cap a little bit. Um, Brandon's 100% right that we would have kept hammering away at the same 
passes and the same angles and it wouldn't have gone anywhere most likely. And we would have been frustrated and maybe given up a goal on the counter. Um, instead, uh, you know, you saw some really, I think you saw the players take ownership of what was an incredibly frustrating half. And not only did Frank figure out a way to kind of carve up palace in the second half, and it was, it was pretty dominant display, but I think the players also took the ownership upon themselves to, to go and make, that happened. And Tammy, obviously really cool finish, you know, Christian really solid header into the corner. And, you know, there were a couple of other opportunities that were maybe a little uh, wasteful. I mean, 23 shots and five on target isn't, isn't good enough. And Frank will know that, but um, 23 shots in the Premier league is also nothing to, to scoff at Brandon. Uh, right. I think that's a great shot too. Uh, it's uh, yeah. It, it, they produced a lot. And I think that just goes to show you that, that we, every even half opportunity we were taking, you know, last season, we're like, oh, we don't shoot enough. We have to walk into the back of that. Like, no, this season, the kids, their heads up, their ears are perked up. They're ready to go. Christian, Mount, Tammy, William was bright. They, they, we, we, we honestly could have scored five, six goals on a different day. But like you said, Nick, it was just one of those days. They kept getting in front of shots. They just went wide, whatever it was. And then it it you finally got the one, and it was a huge weight off our shoulders. But last season, hundred percent, we're at at best. What's going to happen is we would have given up a goal on the counterattack, and then we would have had to scrap the equalizer <laughs> late in the game. Uh, and and that's how how it went last season. Thankfully, not it. It is much better. So, anyways, uh, that'll wrap up the first half. Obviously, a lot of talk on ta- Tammy. Uh, excited about just how well it's going for him and a huge credit to Frank, not only in his man management of Tammy, but also his tactical game management in this, in this one. So again, if you want to talk about that, hit us up on social media. We are taking our first quick break of the episode. A huge thank you to the sponsor for supporting us financially. When we get back, as we talked about, we will be covering Christian Pulisic. I don't know if you'd heard he scored kind of a big deal. Uh, but then we'll also talk about some other things that happened as well, including Reese James and some other top performers. So we'll be right back. All right, here we go. Uh, next one up. We promise this will not be an extended love fest praising Christian Pulisic because he didn't have a perfect game yesterday, which is fair. But we do need to spend some time talking about Chelsea's second goal scorer of the day. Nick, where do you want to take this? Squawk has got some numbers for you. Statman Dave's got some stats for you. Or you can just lead off with your own analysis. Um, I I will lead off with the eye test. because Yeah, because uh, he loves a good eye test. Because loves a good eye test, ladies and gentlemen. Because remember, I can't read stats. You know, I think that was determined <laughs> earlier in the season. Numbers. The numbers greatest, greatest weapon against Nick Verlaney. <laughs> numbers don't make sense to me at all. Um, I, I think I, I test really quick would be that Christian was incredibly direct yesterday. <laughs> I mean, he, he was running at players. He was running in behind. He was crossing. He could have had legitimately another perfect hat trick yesterday. Um, the shot up close that he hit with his left that, um, you know, I think, Kaita. Uh, came out and saved was was really solid effort, but not maybe not to the quality he needed there. And then he hit a boomer with his right that was an incredible save uh, from Quaita. So uh, I I just genuinely I th- I think he was the most dangerous player on the pitch yesterday. I think William ended up doing a lot of working for the team yesterday, which I very much appreciated, and and I will give William a ton of credit for for taking on the armband and having a captain's performance yesterday, because he certainly did that. But I thought that Pulisic was the best player on the pitch and the stats, Dan may even back it up because I don't know. I can't, I can't see him. (laughs) Well, for those of us who appreciate math or maths, uh, Christian Pulisic's numbers versus palace, 54 touches, 13 touches in the opposition box, six shots, five take-ons, Three chances created, three of our shots on target, two aerials, one, one goal, and his first goal at Stamford Bridge. So uh, now he has been involved in seven total goals in the Premier League, five goals and two assists in the six starts he's made this season. So, yeah, I mean, just bright performance. I think some people were maybe questioning 
it during halftime. I I was tweeting out if I looked bright. I thought he was having a really strong performance, and you know he look resiliency, right? You know you just keep on going, you keep making the runs in, you keep finding space behind, and that's where these goals that we were wondering where they were going to be from and Hazard getting displaced were going to come from. And I think part of it is Tammy and having a striker who scores, but these runs into the box behind were actually placing people inside the six yard box. I know we thought it was illegal. We thought you could not actually put players in the six yard box to take a cross, to convert a header, to put the ball in. But we found out this year, at least for us in 2019, 2020, not illegal, Brandon. And I think that that is where Christian, by being the individual who's making a lot of these runs, has been the beneficiary and now has his best league goal contribution season ever at five goals uh, better than any of his years at Dortmund. But you can only be in there for three seconds, like in basketball, right? You yeah. Three seconds in the lane, then you got to get out. There's a strong <laughs> yeah, chance the they're going <laughs> to. There's a strong chance they're going to call this back with VAR probably on Tuesday because I mean he was in there for quite some time. You know, is it is it because basketball season started? We have all the references. Like typically, we'll do like NFL or American football, but like I don't know why it's just this episode. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Double I, dribble, you know. No, no idea. Um, all right. So Naz again bringing us the uh, post-match quotes. This one from Lampard on Christian. Quote, I always, believe he, I always believed he had huge talent and that he would be a great player for us. He has been first class for us. Scoring in the six-yard box is a huge thing for a young player. And then, end quote, and then Lampard later added that he came off with a hip injury. Hopefully nothing serious didn't sound like it would be. Um, but luckily enough, we're in a position to make a couple subs at that point. Opta Joe coming in with the stat burner here for Christian Pulisic is the fourth American to score in three consecutive Premier League games after Clint the Deuce Dempsey, who did it three times, Joe Max Moore, and Roy Weggerly Pie. Uh, I know Joe Max more. I'm not going to pretend I know Roy Wiggerly, but Dempsey, absolute goal scoring fiend in the Premier League. Uh, him and Brian McBride. I'm surprised McBride's not up there, if I'm being honest. Uh, but I guess he wasn't always in the best team, which might have <laughs> hampered him a little bit. Uh, another gentleman, uh, and by gentleman, I mean young kid that had a great game yesterday, Reese James, uh, finally was invited to the Premier League party, earned his first start again in the Premier League. In addition to pocketing Wilfred Zaha, James offered plenty in this match. So some stats for you guys. 90 minutes played, 85% pass accuracy, 34 passes, four successful dribbles, four crosses, three fouls drawn, three interceptions, two tackles. At Statman Dave dropping in a little bit extra saying Reese James made three interceptions versus Crystal Palace. No player on the pitch made more. He was solid. So let me go ahead and uh, start by this. I did send a tweet yesterday uh, where I just said I, I wasn't seeing much out of Reese James. I just felt like he wasn't being as long. I, mean, I guess I'm kind of drawing out my short tweet, but I just, I, he wasn't being as industrious or lively that we had seen, Nick. And I think... In hindsight, now seeing the match in full, I missed it. I missed the trick on this one. It's really simple. He literally went out there with one mission, and that was shut down Wilfred Zaha. He wasn't getting forward, really. He wasn't being active because he didn't. He wasn't supposed to. His one duty was to shut down their most dangerous player, and he did that. And I think I, I just, I just missed it. I completely missed it in the match yesterday. Yeah, I mean, it was. I I was very impressed with Reese yesterday. I mean, I you you want to see the passing numbers a little higher. You, you know, eighty five isn't necessarily where I think he's going to live most of the time from a percentage standpoint. But uh, yeah, I mean, Zaha couldn't do anything against him. I mean, Zaha tried dribbling past him. He tried running past him. He tried stop and start. He, I tried mean, they were running. Him. Yeah, a lot. Um, <laughs> he he tried. I mean, they were running. You know, the equivalent of of you know a pick and roll play. Dan basketball analogy. Bam. You know, by bringing another player over to try and confuse him, uh, it was it was just a clinical performance. And I think again, we were talking about rotation last week, and I think this is a really strong point because 
I don't know, frankly, if Reese James is now a locked in starter for this team or not. Like, I, I think it's just huge conjecture if you're if you're one of those folks. But I, I genuinely think that the ability to rest Espilicueta, who has played every match this season, um, except for the Grimsby match, I think, or something like that, um, is is huge. It's huge, and then to have that kind of performance, to you know, have a player come in who technically is the understudy um, and come in and have that kind of performance is is massive. So I think it's just a huge credit to Reese, and I, I know that we're all proud of him. Yeah, and it was funny when they uh, had to finally announce that they did find Wilfred Zaha. The kit man found him in Reese James' pockets after he threw him through the uh, the spin cycle for a little mm, bit. Geez. So uh, glad that he's found. That's wonderful. But yeah, Reese had a really strong performance. I also liked you know, William when he got started on that left, quickly moved over to the right. I think William playing with Reese was also a really nice touch because mm-hmm. I think they combined so much better. Uh, I think if Christian and Reese had been on the same side together, maybe would have been a little bit more concerned with how they would have interchanged, how they would have supported each other from transitioning from attack to defense. I think that's where... William added a little bit of additional security, made some really nice runs back to help him maybe the one or two times where Reese wasn't in the perfect position. But again, he's 19 years old and his first Premier League start playing against one of the better attackers in the Premier League who was, you know, should not be on any of our lists for players to sign after that type of performance. You know, he walked himself out of, I think, consideration and, and should not be on any potential future fan transfer list because he was absolutely dreadful. And if he's going to get bossed around by, you know, Reese James in his first Premier League start, like just don't even bother giving him another sniff, giving him another look, let Arsenal go sign them and continue their Mm -hmm. quest to get a Europa League spot because that's, that's the caliber of player he was showing himself to be in that moment. And yeah, credit, credit to Reese. Yeah. I will will say the tweet, the tweet of the day for me was by Gus Mears, um, who, Who's, who goes something a little like this. Wilfred Zaha will be at home tonight. After dinner and a bottle of wine, he'll get a little nod and wink from Mrs. Zaha as she walks up the stairs. When he walks into the bedroom, he'll find that Reese James has already beaten him to it. Just fantastic and cheeky, obviously. And I, I just, I, you know, again, when, when, you, when you have a, a pocket-type performance... You, you get those kind of tweets. You get, you know, the the video of the Thanos snap and dusting away Zaha. You know, like that's that's what you get. Um, and and I think again, all this does. Dan's brought it up. We need two second or we need two elevens, right? You know, at some point in the year, every single player within this squad will be called up to do a job. And the best thing that you can hope for, if you're Frank Lampard, is that they go and do it just as you trained. And clearly that happened today. The, the the point that you made about replacement and if he's a locked-in starter, I think the telling story will be our next match, match back in the Premier League against Manchester City is if Reese James is starting against one of the best attackers in the Premier League in, you know, in, in Sterling. You know, if he gets the nod there... That is going to be a wonderful matchup to watch. I mean, obviously, Aspie is a brilliant one-on-one defender and I think can get get a job done. But maybe with the pace, maybe with the fact that Sterling is just a a wily son of a gun, that maybe that's a a moment where Reese gets the nod from Frank again and is asked to go do the business. Well, I mean, we can talk about that, actually, because Lampard did speak to it uh after the match again credit to naz uh, kinsella bringing us the post-match quotes so lampard said quote aspilicueta is playing really well for us and he is a leader and driver the way reese is playing i had to select him today end quote and then lampard later added that he values aspi and he and that aspi understands the choice uh, and then Lampard on the actual performance of Reese James, quote, I thought Reese was fantastic against one of the best wingers in the league, 1v1. He dealt with those situations and delivered an attack. I trust in Reese, end quote. Lampard says his training sessions and substitute appearances were the reason he was picked. Um, does that mean he was picked not because Aspie needed a rest? No, I mean, yes, sure. I think he clearly stated that. It doesn't mean that by proxy, Aspie getting arrested is a bad thing, though. Agreed. It just it it definitely doesn't seem it's. Uh, I don't know. Like if people are gonna drive into this one, Nick, I'm just getting ready for it because it'll be 
Aspie was fit. He just wasn't selected. But I agree. Like, I think Dan was throwing out other stats that he'd played, like, almost every single Premier League match in the last two seasons. He's missed, like, two ever, I think. Like, <laughs> I, yeah. It, he's like a, a Cal Ripken-style player. Iron Man. Where he, you know, which is a, a baseball reference for, uh, you know, because uh, we just want to hit every, we want to hit every, every sport in this podcast today. But yeah, I mean, Aspie has just been Mr. Reliable, Mr. Dependable, has been able to play across multiple different positions. I think if you asked him to go play striker tomorrow, if there was a deficiency, he would go do it and probably be happy to because he can put on some scoring boots occasionally. I just, you know, I think this is it's a weird season and we're going to see these type of placements we're going to see rotation and i i think to frank's credit he's going to find a way to tell the story appropriately to the media because he's been a member of the media in addition to having been a player and now being a manager of the month Mm -hmm. premier league for the first time uh first player player and manager for the same club to ever do it in addition to emma hayes winning which the first time a the men's and women's team manager for the same club one. So nailed it. Both of them. But yeah, I, I, mean, I, will, I, I think it's interesting. I will quickly say on this, his treatment of Reese is consistent with his treatment of Christian, right? Earn it in your substitute appearances and in trading, and I'll give you a shot. And then if you do well with that shot, maybe I'll keep giving you a shot. Um, so who, who knows? Like, I, I think, if you are of the mind, and I know that there are a few people out there who can't wait to see Espilicueta go soon enough, which I can't, you know, those people blow my mind. Um, if you're of that mind, then Espilicueta is now canceled and we we can't, you know, Reese is the only way forward. I would I would, I would put a, a huge wager that Espilicueta is going to have a lot more to say throughout the year um, than, than what you think. So I, I genuinely... I'm happy for Reese. I I really I want him to succeed. I want all these guys to succeed. I don't know if it's Brandon. I don't know if it's this was the changing of the guard, like most people were saying. Agreed, absolutely. Uh, and then just a quick tactical note from Grant D. E. Smith saying, "Quote from Lampard with Angolo Kante and uh, Mateo Kovacic, they do have tendencies to want to go forward and break." which is one of the one of their strong points. At that point, we want to Reese to tuck inside and be almost another midfielder, end quote. Look, he did it last season with Wigan. The kid has versatility. I just wanted to give him credit on that before we, we moved on because Dan Zuma, Zumessi is back. He is... Zonaldo? <laughs> Uh, yeah, we, we can do that. Uh, another just monster performance from him, just being the rock at the... Well, and Lampard also calling out that you need to get joy out of the performance of Tamori and Zuma and the midfield in front of them. Zuma with his ninja-style one-two block in the later parts of the match to kind of stop what could have been a pretty dangerous counterattack. Yeah, he he's... For someone who's been very criticized, especially in the early part of the season, for some re-acclimatization to, to this Chelsea team, to being in one of the best teams in the Premier League, for all the rotation that's occurred on this back line. You know, he has been the one, I think, to add a little bit more stability over the past few matches, to, to be there to help cover up for maybe a few of the moments when Tomori's been learning on the job next to him. He's been brilliant in the air, uh, you know, we could air Zuma if we want to go with another uh, basketball <laughs> I like reference. I like that. And, you know, I, I, it's just so refreshing, right? I think, you know, it stinks that Rudiger has been sidelined by injury this season. It's unfortunate that Christensen uh, has only gotten back just now to even being a substitute. But, you know, to me, yeah, I think we talked about this season as like Zuma being the, the, the guy, right? And this was his time to shine. And, I'm just like super over the moon for him that he's found a way to do it, that he's put himself back into contention, Nick, after what was a terrible injury, a, a kind of two years on alone and, and coming back. This is this is also like a super feel good story for this season. Yeah, I mean, it's it's massive. I mean, in addition to him, uh, I think on the field looking a little bit more uh, fierce than happy, which I, I genuinely appreciate. He is 
a matchup nightmare for even the biggest Premier League strikers now. I mean, he certainly, I think, is gaining confidence uh, with, you know, even some of his more, you know, I think Clayton put it as a little bit more robotic style of passing than, than Tamori. But I think he's gaining confidence in that area and understanding where the distribution points are. And then on top of that, he is just massive on aerial duels now. Whereas we were struggling with that at the beginning of the year. And I think placement and, you know, where players are expected to be is, you know, maybe the issue there. But he he's just tough. Uh, he's just, you know, I think a guy who, you, you, if you were looking across and you were like, that's the guy I have to go up against today. Uh, you're, you're in for one, you know. And it's not to say that he hasn't made mistakes or that he won't, you know, again this year. But... Uh, he's certainly leaving it all out there, uh, which I desperately appreciate because there were times last year where it felt that no matter what we were doing with our center back pairing, that you know there was always just a little bit of lackadaisical play, and and he's just looking like he is fully committed, fully focused on on what's at hand. He he really has grown into the season. It's been fantastic. Uh, and you know, when Rudiger comes back, we're only going to be stronger as a unit. Talk about two 11s, um, you know, starting 11s, that'll be important. Uh, so last person we want to essentially give credit to and give praise who has been getting a lot of credit and praise and rightly so is Mateo Kovacic. So he had to really be the leader in the midfield N'Golo Kante coming back after a long stay, nor Jorginho, uh, quite a bit of youth around him and he had to be the leader. So Statman Dave, wrapping up Mateo Kovacic's game by numbers, he had the most passes completed with 86, which is just under 20% of the entire team's passes. He had the most final third passes with 25. He had the most ball recoveries with 10. He suffered the most fouls with four, and he won the most tackles for Chelsea with three. Uh, man of the match performance, according to Statman Dave, if you only took stats... Uh, so credit to him. But Dan, the man of the match poll is not only based on stats, is it? What in the world did you do? Yeah, what did you do, Dan? Oh, I applied the Nick Verlaney <laughs> eye tests and just uh, rubbed it all over this thing. Um, so, yep. you know, it's interesting, though. Uh, this might be the first time this ever happened, at least that I, I, I'm aware of, that our choices, uh, somehow the official at Chelsea FC man of the match poll mirror the exact choices in the Dan of the Match poll. Tammy Abraham, Reese James, Christian Pulisic, and William. Who came out and, first? Uh, uh, you know, Just say the, in the All-American poll, Christian Pulisic wins 50%. Uh, Reese James, 23. William, 21. Tammy Abraham, 6. And in the international poll from uh, at Chelsea FC, Christian Pulisic also won the Man of the Match. So double... Honors, man of and Dan of the match to none other than Christian Pulisic. But he wasn't the official man of the match, was he, Nick? Sure yeah, wasn't. It was William. No, uh, Tam- Tammy Abraham was, which I, I-, I take issue well, no, with. No, no, no. Tammy Abraham was voted in king. the app as king the, of the match. Budweiser king of the match. But the Premier League man of the match was William. So it's just an inconsistency all, all over the board. This is terrible. This is awful. And I, I actually don't have a... A, a huge problem with William being man of the match. I, I think in the in the text group as we were kind of going through the options, I thought Kovacic was fucking brilliant yesterday. I just I genuinely every time I'm watching him now, he makes me more and more wrong by the day. <laughs> I mean, just you know, and and not just me, but a lot of people who who were skeptical. Um, he he was just everywhere yesterday and i it, it was like the 30th minute where kovacic was um you know i think getting into a better rhythm with angolo and they were finding the space for each other and that was that was just great to see that they were it only took a short amount of time for them to get on the same page after angolo not being there and, and no Jorginho to to kind of play the passes you know up front frank's comment though dan about kovacic and and i think this is right the balance was a little off in the midfield yesterday. Um, and not because neither one of Kova or, or um, Conte were, were not working hard. It was, they both want to carry the ball forward. And Jorginho wants to pass it forward and retain shape. And I think that was maybe a little bit of the reason the first half why it was a, a struggle. But 
I yeah, I think I probably would have voted Kovacic, although I said earlier that Pulisic was the best player in the field, so whatever. You know, I'm not... <laughs> minor details. You're a walking details. contradiction, and we love you. That's right. <laughs> At least I can admit it, Dan. Contractually hmm? love you. That is right. Contractually. So Liam Toomey tweeted uh, on October 27th, the way things are going, Chelsea fans might need to get into the habit of checking the Leicester result before wondering how Arsenal, United, or Spurs got on. Uh, yesterday, got to tweet, retweeted himself, said rinse and repeat. That seems to be the way it goes. As we yep. look at this table, uh, and I'll pull up the live table because it is official. City smashed in by Liverpool, 3-1. Uh, Liverpool on top is 34 points. Leicester City second on 26 points. The informed team Chelsea are in third on 26 points as well. Still in an 11 11 goal difference between us and Leicester, so that's not getting any better. Uh, fourth place uh, title favorites, Manchester City, on 25 points. Uh, fifth place, shit you not, Sheffield United, 17 points. Because of a better goal difference than Arsenal, who have a negative one goal difference, also on Amazing. 17 points. Amazing. And, and to be fair, they should have two more points than they did yesterday. They should. They, they should. They got robbed. I mean, I mean this was what the weekend that... VAR basically took a dump and then wiped its its excrement over all the league. It was awful. Laughed it, laughed it off all weekend. It was disgusting. Uh, Man United climbing the table with a win out of the relegation area up to seventh with 16 points. Wolves, eight, 16 points. Bournemouth, ninth, 16 points. And Burnley in 10th to round out the top half of the table on 15 points. But tell you what, there are a lot of teams on 15, 14, 13 points. It is a, a small gap, essentially, in the bottom half of the table. Uh, the top of the table, though, we're starting to see a little bit of separation here. So eight points between fourth and fifth, which is interesting. That This, this is starting to assemble itself as a pretty solid top four group. Now, obviously, there are... 26 more matches to be played, right? We're only just under a third of the way down the season. But as it stands, uh, it is, it is, it's, I don't know, this table is shaking itself out to be very interesting, especially in Tottenham in 14th, Everton in 15th, um, Norwich, adios, Southampton, adios, Newcastle somehow scraping their way up the table, uh, Brighton safely up there too. It's just, it's, it's different someday, days, different so, days. Someday we're gonna get you to say Norwich right, and boy, Norwich. would that be fun? No, the uh, W uh, is not there. Well, we, I mean, we're averaging two point one six points per match, which would put us on pace for an eighty-two point season. Which, Jeez. given the way that this is all going, would not be enough to stop uh, Liverpool. And the FA, uh, because it is a joint production. It's like yep. a, a movie that gets produced by two studios um, from winning the league. So hopefully some luck, luck sprinkles from up on top to uh, help us maybe close this gap here on on Liverpool. Because it now looks like City's not going to do it for us. So it's only up to Chelsea now to win the league and save humanity from the worst possible outcome. City have a ton of injuries. Liverpool are flying high. L- Europe is really the only thing I can see distracting Liverpool at this point. And they won it last year. So I think that they are 100% on the Premier League this season. They-, they will bounce out of the Champions League happily if it pretty much shoots up their chances. Uh, Naz with the final tweet on the day or the final press conference quote of the day from Lampard being in second place, quote, we are sustaining Tammy, Mount, Ficayo, and Reese in today and have shown they deserve to be at this level. I am proud, but it's just a snapshot of the season, end quote. He then adds the gap was too big last year with the top two. Well, we're knocking on the door a little bit. And then last tweet of the day from at OptiJoe, six. Chelsea have won six consecutive Premier League games for the first time since May 2017 under Antonio Conte in their last title winning season. Foundations. And foundation is probably the best way to say it. And that's what we do want to end with is that we are building a new foundation for this amazing club under one of our greatest ever players at the helm, Frank Lampard. Uh, My favorite tweet trend on the Chelsea fans. Imagine not being Chelsea right now. Could you imagine, imagine what that's like? The photos that we get from Chris Axon, 
uh, the tweets that we get from Marco and Chidge and everyone that's there week in, week out. We've gotten to go. It is, it is, you know, we've gone, what, four seasons now? This is different. Like, yeah, we were there when we won the league under Antonio Conte. That is special in its own right. Uh, it's been nothing like that ever since. So really excited uh, to just see what I mean, this goes. I mean, whether it's the the hands off the, the wheel or the good evenings, like every other team wants to be us right now that isn't Liverpool or Leicester. I mean, Leicester are playing brilliant football as well. They sure but every are. other team in the Premier League would want to have what Chelsea has right now. Limbs, oh. baby. Limbs. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, You are the best in the world. We appreciate you. Uh, Tweet at us. Get in touch with us if you have any questions, anything else that we can do. Uh, But you got to get in our Discord server. That is where the discussion goes on all week long. But until next time, Chelsea fans, it's an international break. Sorry about that. Uh, But until next time, Chelsea fans, we know what to do. You know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. Random. Not... Random.